you're listening, I just drank your last beer. Oh, well. It's just a blue moon, you know. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's so funny. Mm. Um, oh. So this has been a weird week. Yeah? Well, we've just learned that we're potentially most likely 99.9% going into lockdown stage four on Monday. Yeah. Hi, welcome to We're Not Really Backpackers. <laughs> um, I'm Janie. I'm Susie. And we are here to talk with you about all things travel and life as a couple of 29-year-olds stuck in a country that is not our homeland in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. Uh, very interesting experience. Yeah. So as Suze just mentioned, um, Melbourne, we did a big old recap about this at the top of our episode from last week, but mm. we're... Currently in stage three lockdown, which means you can only leave your house for one of four reasons. Um, the case numbers, I guess they've still been going up. They've yeah. still been in triple digits every day. I think there was 238 cases yesterday. Yeah. So rumor has it that we're going to be going into stage four lockdown, which we haven't been in yet, which yeah. would be very similar, yeah. it sounds like, to what New Zealand did. Mm, which, so literally, we can't leave the house for anything other than... Like groceries and medical just care. Just groceries, medical care. Not even exercise? No, I don't think so. Yeah, no, maybe Because I'm not sure, but I don't think so. And I, yeah. that's the main difference between that and where we are now is that like restaurants will be fully closed, no takeaway. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can go out for exercise, and I don't yeah. think that you can go out for... I don't think that they'll put a restriction on work. I think it'll probably still be the same of like work from home if you can, but if not... Mm. you know Mm -mm. but because I think that they just won't want to like fully shut down the economy in that way but yeah yeah I don't know we'll see man yeah I mean I came across these pictures the other day I think you saw the same ones where um it was for the Spanish influenza I think yeah these two years ago yeah um but yeah these women are just I've got these see-through plastic bags over them yeah. And there's all this um, propaganda signage, saying, you know, signage saying, uh, stay home, save lives, and all this. It's like, that's just exactly the same. Everything's the same. Everything's the same. Yeah. I mean, obviously, back home is uh, literally in fuego with cases right now, mm. and everything is, it's really bad. Fuego. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to talk to my sisters and some friends from back home this week. And yeah, I mean, everyone's doing all right, but Mm. it's just, it's pretty scary. And it's impacting people that I know and love like Mm. very closely. And Mm. it's very real. And I think that although the case numbers have been getting higher here, um, it's still not nearly as bad, which I don't think it should be. Obviously, I think, I, I think it's great that we're going... If we are going into phase four, I wish we would have freaking, you know, done it back in March. Oh my <laughs> bloody hell. I, it would just have solved so many issues way more quickly. I'm not to yeah. say it would have wiped out completely like in New Zealand, because obviously it's, it's different land yeah, mass, yeah, it's yeah. different, you know, they're an isolated tiny island compared to Australia. But I think it's hard because you have to keep the safety of the people but also try and please everyone and yeah and the economy yeah and people i mean already in america that guy in court like 
shouting at them because he oh they so many make people him wear court. a mask so many like, people there's so many videos of people just going into like you know mean local court heatings and hearings in public you know council meetings and shit just being like i'm an american citizen you can't make me wear a mask <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god it's just it's not political it's mm. and there's so much Great. The thing that blows my mind the most is all of the misinformation and just how yeah. easy it is for misinformation to be spread of like people being like the CO2 emissions that you breathe in when you wear a mask are more harmful than the coronavirus. And it's like, that's just not true. Yeah. Like yeah. even, I mean, people that not even medical masks, but like wear facial coverings mm-hmm. every day for like religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing it for quite a long time and they're completely fine. Yeah. And then people that have been wearing masks for safety precautions for their medical fields, like doctors that do like 12 hour long surgeries wearing masks. Like really, do you think that I just, it just blows my mind what people choose to believe to defend their own beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. I remember my sister when she was younger, she (coughs) was kind of prone to getting some tonsillitis Mm. And we noticed, or my mother noticed, oh, my mother, I'm getting posher by the day. Mm. Um, my mum noticed that it was always after we'd been on an aeroplane. So, bless her, my little sister was made to wear these masks, which she absolutely hated. Of course, yeah, of course. You don't want to be a child. Like, you don't want to be a child. It's embarrassing then, too. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, but, you know, it made all the difference. And as far as I'm aware, every time she did wear one, she was absolutely fine. Yeah. I was talking to my mum the other day, and she said, so she's off out, you know, socialising, and England seems to be pretty good, but she's saying it's only becoming mandatory to wear a mask on the 24th of July or something. It's like, surely that's going backwards. Why wouldn't you just do that now as you're coming yeah. out of it instead of setting that date, you know, sometime down the down yeah, the way? Yeah, in like just, a couple of weeks. I wonder if oh. it's because of, like, giving people time to get masks so that they're mm. not, you know, making it mandatory... Yeah, I maybe. I yeah, have no true. idea. In the in the whole thing of it, I, I again, sorry, leading on from this conversation I was having with my mum. She said, "You know how are you coping?" And I know that this pandemic has affected everyone differently. There are obviously different levels. There are some people who it's really hit hard, and I understand the different levels of mental health and you know affecting everyone, but. I have to say, I feel like we've adapted pretty well. We've been super fucking lucky. We have been, obviously, yeah. Our circumstances are very... Best case scenario. Exactly. Exactly. Compared to a lot of people. Truly best case scenario. Absolutely. And I think we've been given that freedom and that space to adapt. Mm -hmm. Because we have everything we need and Mm -hmm. could possibly want right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay, we want to go to the pub with our friends, but it's not the end of the world. I would love to be at the beach somewhere warm, but that's not in the cards at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But apart from that, (laughs) pretty much everything has been, like, easygoing. And, you Mm -hmm. know, we don't have families to look after. And we are only looking after ourselves. And we don't have those responsibilities and those pressures. And I honestly can't imagine how people are doing that. Oh, my God, I know. How? How? Or if you've just been out of... You've been... you. I just... It blows my mind how many people... How just the crazy amount of people that have been 
without a job this entire time that have lost their job and not been able to get it back being you know people in even in their own home countries like being i don't know i just think like obviously as non-residents we don't get any sort Mm -hmm. of financial aid or support from the australian government Mm -hmm. um but like even at home like i you know i got a stimulus check for twelve hundred dollars and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I would have gotten, you know, if I was home too. Yeah. So if I, yeah, I know like at the beginning there was a lot of people from back home and from here and that, you know, decided to go back or whatever. And I just thought with the circumstances that I was in, I would be worse off going from home, going home at this point because mm-hmm. I would have to be starting over from scratch and then trying to find a job and a place to live and all that stuff. When I have that right now, even though it's, you know, far away and somewhat temporary in a lot of ways, it's still a lot more secure. Yeah. For me, I just didn't see a point in going home, honestly. It's not that I don't love my family. It's not that I don't miss them because I do. However, what am I going to do if I go home? I have no job to go back to. Like, I can't earn money. I I would have to spend all that money on the aeroplane anyway. And then what would I do when I get home and have to self-quarantine? And I'd just be sitting there. Mm-hmm. At least here I can, you know, be doing something with my days and actually saving up some money and things. Yeah. But I know a lot of people did leave Australia for, you know, family reasons. And they weren't as, in as fortunate a position as us. Totally. Having found our jobs in the nick of time. So, yeah, I do feel... I do feel for those people. Mm-hmm. I do feel for them. Me too. Things that have been getting us through. Yes. Obvi- TV. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're in super fortunate positions with having work and all of that. But mm. we also, I, I, I. I feel a lot better and stronger about where we are like mentally with my own self now Mm. than I did when we first started. I was fucking freaking out Mm. at the beginning of the pandemic. I thought for sure we were going to get fired. Mm. I, I remember the first day, like right as lockdown was starting and we went, I can't remember, we went somewhere and we went out on the tram and it was like, you could feel the anxiety in the air and everyone it was just everyone was stiff and tense and I remember talking about it of like this is going to pass everyone's going to settle in we're going to find the new normal but it seemed impossible and it seemed so fucking far away yeah at that beginning stage of just like what Mm -hmm. like (laughs) because no one had any answers no one still has any freaking you know answers but Kind of leading on from our fuck your comfort zone mm. episode, um, you just have to put one foot in front of the other and, and adapt and mm-hmm. just look at what you can do and what instead of what you can't do because the those things are out of your control. Like you're not, you can't just go to the pub. You can't. We can't go to the pub with our friends. We can't go to the cinema. We can't even go to a fucking drive-through cinema. Like that's closed as well. You know. Yeah. All of the things that we love to do in our normal life. However, what can you do? And I I don't know. With stuff like television, I'm kind of loath to say that it has helped us get through. Because it has. It definitely has. And I do enjoy, I've always enjoyed like productions, TV productions, film and everything. But I think 
I watched way too much of it as a kid. And I remember my mum and dad being like, you're going to get square eyes, go out into the garden, like get some fresh air. But I think I was just at that that age where I was like, but I mean, every time we've, you know, when we finish work and we make dinner and we sit down and we snuggle down into our huge marshmallow sofa, I just, it's just like that sense of comfort. And I don't think there's anything wrong with indulging in that. And We've been obsessed with this show called The Sinner. Okay, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. So yeah. Oh god, it's so good. (laughs) Season one's the best so far. Then we watched season three, and that was interesting at first, but then we both it kind of lost both of us. Oh, it's Psycho Babble Central. Oh my god, it's just this fucking dude rambling on and on and on about. Nietzsche and philosophy <laughs> and I was honestly triggered because of it just reminded me of the philosophy guy that I went on a few dates with and I did it yeah because I was fucking talking about his philosophy and like man's place in the world and I was like god what the fuck you never mentioned this I just it oh god well I mean you know so yeah. the the philosopher the philosopher yeah, the, the philosopher, the philosopher was my name for him yeah um are you seeing the philosopher today yeah, that, was <laughs> that was like a couple oh, of weeks opening line every day <laughs> the philosopher um yeah he just i mean he was nice enough but mm. like still very much a philosophy professor and mm. yeah i don't know he didn't go on as long of kind of like rants as the dude in the mm. center obviously because he's not a serial killer but yeah he's um, a deep thinker yeah. See, I think we're both really quite deep thinkers. Mm. However, <laughs> and I'm look, I'm not saying that I can't ramble on because I know I can. But we have I, a podcast, of course we can ramble <laughs> on. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, season three definitely kind of got boring. Ugh. And now we're back to season two, which I think is going to be really good yeah. because it's all about cults, which God, I love a cult. I am so fascinated about. Yeah. And we've had a shared experience. It wasn't in a cult, but it was kind of a culty day, wasn't it? We did have a culty day. Holy like, shit. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. So we, I've had, I guess not like a couple of brushes with cults, but yeah, this was a super culty day. So we, yeah. Susan and I are both interested in like personal development yeah. and you know all kind of encompassing of mm. holistic things of that mm. nature and mm. when we first came back the universe oh, yes i love it <laughs> when we first came back to melbs after christmas and we were apartment hunting and job hunting and yada yada um you what did you how did you find it so basically this ad popped up on instagram mm. and it was you know, typical hooks getting the attention, like, do you want to change your life and have a better outlook and get more money and, and sit, do all this? And work with other people and do people good in and, this world. And yeah, and like find that. your purpose. And I, I think I just felt like, if I'm honest, a little bit nervous about coming back to Australia because yeah. we didn't have anything. We'd come from the security of doing farm work. Yeah. And I had a great time at home with my family. I Like, leaving my family after Christmas is always hard because yeah. it's my favourite time of the year and yeah. I always spend it with my family. And, I don't know, that year had been quite hard. Like, my grandmother passed yeah. and it was just a bit of a shit year. 
No, I take that back. It wasn't a shit year. There were just shit elements. And I felt like I wanted to start the, the year afresh. So it was a live workshop for, yeah. it was like a coaching school, basically, mm. program. Um, yeah. And <laughs> I think there were a couple of red flags. See, I but... didn't know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. I so you 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 <laughs> you tell everyone how you got us almost fucking indoctrinated into a cult. <laughs> so I'd seen this advert, I'd applied for it, and I never normally apply for these things. I just I I, I know what adverts are like. I've yeah. worked in advertising through you know in the various companies I've worked in, and like I get it. But like I said, that's why it works is like, we're all susceptible to it, even if you know what it is. Yeah. And I just felt like we were trying to find jobs. We were homeless. We were living in a hostel, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's quite hard to stay positive when you're surrounded by very negative people. Mm -hmm. And I think this for me was um, a kind of an opportunity to get my mind back into that mindset of staying positive and like looking at my dreams and digging those, you know, yeah. gratitude lists up and all of that crap. Right? Building towards something that was a bit more aspirational. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love doing. Yeah. Right? I think personal development is great and I will continue to con. I will continue to do it, for, <laughs> you know, until the day I die, I assume. But I don't know. I just felt like I needed that and I needed to have a day away from applying for jobs and not getting anything in return. Yeah. And I had a free ticket and it was, you know, everything was for free. So why wouldn't you go? Right. And obviously we were in this together. Yeah. Trying to set our lives up. We knew we wanted to live together. To cut a long story short, we went to this place and this started off pretty well because what the guy was talking about was the basic building blocks of a successful life, you know, how to change your mindset, how to get more love into your life, how to attract the perfect partner and Mm -hmm. money and that you can have all the money you want and money isn't evil. And I thought that was quite refreshing because I do have money blocks in my life and I have, I have built up these things in my head that money is evil and, and not evil, but yeah, evil. And like, well, I know for me, like that money is inherently difficult to get difficult yes. to hold on to you have to work you have the only way you can get it is if you work really 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 hard mm. and even then it's not a guarantee mm. and like um that yeah money doesn't buy you happiness mm. and that you it, it is like it's bad and that yeah. like there's an association at least that I have in it that I've continued to work on to try to <clears throat> dispel and change my thinking around it that money is correlated in some way to like bad people or negative yeah. aspects of life. Yeah, which I also find interesting because I know both of us, it's not like we come from really poor backgrounds. No. Like, if I'm honest, you know, we are comfortable. Yeah. However, I think the way I've just grown up around money, it, like, we've... I've just never really been aware of, like, my parents, how much money they have or anything. And like, they still have these phrases like money doesn't grow on trees and you have to work hard because they don't want to bring up some spoiled brats. And yeah, I, I definitely get that. And you and do have to work for what you want in of life. Course, but... Of course, of course. But at the same time, 
I've worked so fucking hard my whole working life and I've never found the thing Mm -hmm. that I wake up every morning and I cannot wait to get to work and I earn shit like really shit hot money like Mm -hmm. good amount of money that is gonna that I can save up and invest in my future because and that's my choice I'm not blaming that on anyone else but I've just always had my own like story around money and so I thought, well, this will hopefully get rid of some of those blocks. But it quickly turned weird. It quickly fucking turned weird. The first red flag was immediately <laughs> when we walked in the door. This the woman, no, Duracell not Bunny. No, n- oh the no, the older it was, woman. It was the older woman who was the volunteer. Such so a there teacher. was there was yeah. staff that were working the event that were students of this institute school, whatever yeah. they called it. I don't even remember. Um, and the one woman was just on such a power trip for being like yeah. the lead volunteer and <laughs> signing in and like, oh, just. She's a horse girl, you'd say. No. Oh, she was such a horse girl. We would say goody, do, goody, goody two shoes. Such a fucking horse girl. Like, <laughs> just, uh She's one of those really just people that irritate you. Yeah. So annoying. Yeah. So anyway, she was the first red flag. I think the second red flag was um, the guy leading the workshop made really inappropriately sexual comments towards you and to other people in the room. Yes. Do you remember that first one? Yeah. When he he said, um, oh, do we have anyone Scottish in the audience? And of course, me put my hand up, didn't I? I think I put your hand up. Oh, did you? I think I threw you... (laughs) Head first under that sexual oh, yeah, harassment. Oh yeah, I remember. Bus. I remember you were like she's. Sc- and I was like, anyway. she can do a Scottish accent. Oh, but I'm not gonna lie. I was like mm. happy to, to. It's to, my moment to throw my Scottishness out into the audience. No. Anyway, so I said, look, I'm not. I don't have the accent, but I am partly Scottish. And he said, okay, can you do the accent? And I did it. And because yeah, did- you were reading a quote, and it was a Scottish oh, like was psychologist or philosopher or someone that he had quoted in this thing. And you read the quote, and he was like, oh, like, say my name. Yes. It was, and we're in a room of, like, what, 40 people, 50 people? And everyone's just, like, laughing. And I was like, ah, creepy, gross. Yeah, It just was weird. It was really And then he said it to someone else, too. There was another American girl there, and she, like, raised her hand and asked a question. He was like, sorry, I was so distracted by how, like, sexy your accent is. Like, can you say it again? And it's just like, okay. Yeah. Like, what? Weird. There was a very weird sexual current throughout the mm, whole thing. Mm. Kind of like pinpointed by towards the end when he was like, men, if you're not giving your your women, like also so heteronormative and just very strict, like binary kind of gender roles and stuff, mm. which whatever, um, not whatever, not cool. But anyway, yeah. he was like, oh man, like if you're not giving your woman like four hour long orgasms, then you need to sign up for this course. And women, yeah. if you're not receiving four hour long orgasms from your man, not from yourself, not from any other yeah. sort of gendered partner. <laughs> Or just in general. <laughs> but like, okay. And he's like, then you need to sign up for this course yeah. too because blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, I don't know. It was just gross. It just gave me the heebie-jeebies. The fucking tunnel. Oh, the love tunnel. I can't. Oh my they, God. There was an exercise that we had to do oh. where we were put into a separate room from the main one we were sitting in. Yeah. And we all had to like close our eyes and like, this would be so not allowed in COVID mm. times now, thank fuck. But you had to be like 
quiet and close your eyes and like touch the person in front of you. Mm. So we were all standing like all in a line, like facing one direction. So the person behind you had their hands on your shoulders. And I, I just, I am not, I don't know. I'm a very physical touch person. That's Mm. my love language, but Mm. I also don't like being touched by people I don't know in large groups of people. Like, sorry, that's Mm. just, it doesn't, at no point was there any sort of check-in about people's individual boundaries. Um, Or past trauma. Yeah, like if anyone had any sort of like trauma response. So anyway, what happened was they, people are putting, you know, their hands on your shoulders, whatever. And then the guy that was behind me started rubbing my shoulders. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I did. I was like, I'm going to vomit. Like there was nothing wrong with him personally, but it was just, I just, it made me extremely uncomfortable. And they were like, no talking, keep your eyes closed. And I like opened my eyes to look around when he started doing it. And the horse woman was like, no, like keep your eyes closed. So there was no, I understand that pushing outside of your comfort zone is a, can be a really helpful tool for personal growth and development. But there's also something called trauma-informed care and, you know, modeling that you need to have that awareness to be able to check in with people and give people a safe out. Like, it just, anyway, it made me super uncomfortable. And then we all had to, like, walk forward in this conga line of from hell. And we get to the end and the volunteers then start, like, once you get to the end of, like, where you're of the line, um, the volunteer, like they started like touching the tops of our heads and our faces, like petting us, like rubbing their hands along our faces and then over our heads and down to our shoulders and then whispering hot breathy words into our ear of like, I love you. I love you. You alone receive this love. And I was like, yeah. And then you had, and then they just kind of gently pushed you forward. You also, and they're like, keep your eyes closed, receive the love. And I was like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. And then what was happening on the other side was after you get through, you're then walking through what they call the love tunnel, which is everybody else who's already gone in front of you has their hands out and starts touching you as you walk through this line of people until you get to the end. And bear in mind, because you have your eyes closed, it's a, it's a kind of quote unquote trust exercise. So you, you, I don't trust any of these fucking people. I don't know them. You have to, you, you're walking through with your eyes closed. So you have to like feel your way through essentially. And everyone standing on the side in this kind of love tunnel is guiding you with their hands, but like, but also touching oh. you, not just like on your yeah. hand and your arms. Yeah, They're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, people were reminding us to like then touch the people, and yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be fucking groped. Yeah, by these people that I don't know. Yeah, and it was I started to kind of panic a little mm, bit, I and I stopped are, yeah. in the middle, and then the one of the volunteers came up and just like literally just pushed me, and it was so hard because I saw you upset and I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Actually, in hindsight, if I could go back, I would have just grabbed your hand and left. In hindsight, I would have stopped and walked out. However, isn't it so interesting how when you're in that space, mm-hmm. you you kind of feel paralyzed a bit. Like you feel like even though we were together, I, I felt like we couldn't leave because yep. I was embarrassed too, in a way. Yep. And they had said like, the, that's oh. the, like we 
this it's the same kind of mentality when people are like, well, why didn't you, you know, do this, this, and this or to, to remove yourself from an unsafe situation? When we know that group mentality is a very real thing, we know mm. that behaviorally, you know, like there's a reason why all this stuff exists and why cults are a thing and abusive relationships. There's the cycle mm. of abuse where it's not, you know, logically that you should leave or whatever, but mm. your body, our our bodies respond in fight or flight or freeze in different ways and with general discomfort and also like the social structures that we're put into. So our own individual upbringings, as well as the social construct that's been set for us with this like 12 hour event that we mm. were at, which was, you're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to open your eyes. You're not allowed to leave. And if you're uncomfortable, that's the point. Yeah. So there was yeah. no outlet for, for any sort of like appropriate mm, check-in. Mm-mm. And there was also no, <laughs> for lack of a better word, there was no aftercare either. No. There was no check-in or discussion afterwards mm. um, led by anyone. And also the guy who was like running the workshop, who was like the high, you know, the guy who'd been doing this for years and da da da, he was gone. He wasn't part of this exercise. It was just the volunteers yeah. that were running it. Yeah. So I don't know what any of their, I don't think anyone had any sort of like credential to speak of, but mm. It just, it felt, it was gross and I didn't like it. And it made me super fucking uncomfortable. And then also, you know, we stayed, which I. Yeah, I think the curiosity of me wanted, just got the better of me. And I just kind of felt like this is, I knew it was crazy, but I wanted to see how it ends. It's kind of like when you're watching a bad movie and you know, it's so shit, but you're that far deep. I mean, that's what happened to us when we watched 365 days, (laughs) which was like. (laughs) Kidnap, kidnap porn. Yeah, absolutely. We were still just like, I, I was, I really wanted to see the end of it because I was horrified. Mm -hmm. And also I was like, well, I'm fucking, I'm in too deep now. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm not buying what you're selling me, but I need to see it through. (laughs) So there were three other elements of this day that were super weird as well. The first was, um... We were made to hold hands. This was right after the love tunnel. This was after the love tunnel. Stand in a circle and sing. We are the world. We are the world by Michael Jackson. Yeah, I remember. Because I was. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my God. So you go from, I mean, is the irony completely lost on these people that you go Mm. from non-consensual touching mm. of a group of people to then standing around and singing <laughs> like the song of an alleged not alleged abuser yeah yeah like really yeah it was just yeah i was it I, was just so ironic and, and also I remember at the so time, fucking cheesy so cheesy so ironic but so i just could not stop laughing because i think it just hit me how ridiculous it all oh was. And I God. felt kind of like I was in a movie. Yeah, no. Oh my God. And then the second bit was we were told to draw out our dream life. Yeah, on like this a, like massive Like a dream of, board, but. Yeah, like a dream board, but you're, you're, you're drawing writing it. And you're drawing it. And then <laughs> we had to be in groups yeah. and they told us that if we didn't shout it, and most people would not succeed at doing this by themselves at home for the next week when we were supposed to, rah, 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 you are a failure. We had to shout at each other 
for a minute straight about all of our dreams that we wanted in our life. Like literally, I'm gonna have this house and I'm gonna have four kids and I want to have the love of my life and live in a house in Bali. And it was yeah. so weird. I I think I, I was tempted to hold on to that piece of card for the rest of my life just as a reminder of how I got myself into such a ridiculous... Well, we used that poster board to make our own actual dream boards. Oh, yeah! <laughs> it's right on the wall over there! Shit! We were because we were like, hard. you know what? I There is nothing wrong with a dream board. There is absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with manifesting and claiming what you want in this life. Yeah. But it was just compiled on everything else. I was like, this is a fucking spectacle. Yeah. And also when you're jumping up and down and screaming and it, it's creating a hormonal, energy. yeah, energetic and emotional response a as physiological well. Physiological response. Yeah. yeah. And so you get hyped up like with the chemicals in your body too. Yeah. And I totally think that that's part of their sales tactic Definitely. is getting people hyped up in this energy of like all this positive and you feel great. Cause you feel like you have the endorphins and serotonin just sprinting through your body. Right. So and so then they're like, yeah, to... do you want to keep do- feeling this way forever? Sign up and da, 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 da. And it, is I mean it's I'm sure it's working really well for them mm. and I remember when we oh was there another part that you wanted to say and then the last part what, what just before I go on to the last part I think it's really cool because I'm looking at my dream board right now and on it I have in the middle a massive pink um <laughs> thing that I've cut out of a magazine saying podcast no I've stuck I've stuck the word podcast on there but it's like listen now with this big headphones I'm I'll put it on our Instagram page so Hell you yeah. can see it but it's just so cool, like, sitting here recording this and we've actually started it. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe I've actually committed to something in my life. It's amazing. <laughs> here we go. Three weeks in. <laughs> and so the last bit was we had to get a wooden arrow against mm. our throat. We had to and write down what we wanted. That was it. it. We had to write down on the arrow what we wanted or what for the we... year because it was in like January. So it was like, yeah. what do you want the most out of this year? Do you want mm. love or security or abundance or da da da? Write it on this arrow, and then we're gonna you're gonna walk into it, and you're gonna break the arrow with <laughs> the strength of your body. And <laughs> it's, if you do it wrong, you could die. Yeah. But then also, my seven year old does it every you know every year for show and tell, and people do it all the time. And yeah. you know it's it's fine. Yeah, um, you have to walk in confidently, and it's this, you know it's a it's an ex- metaphorical exercise. It's basically making the impossible possible. But they've 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 um, dressed it up to look like this really hard impossible thing. And so when you you feel like oh well everyone else can do it but I couldn't do it so then when you do do it you think oh my god I did it uh, I'm part of the magic in the room and, oh, <laughs> and it's just like no like look at this objectively take yourself out of the room and look how ridiculous this all is and but even even after that their sales pitch was worded so well that I remember us turning to each other and being like. Do Should we, we go do for this? it? Do we yep. invest in it? Because, okay, they, these people are fucking weird. And I don't like that guy. But, like, are we bailing on our dreams if we don't do this? Yeah. And that's so crazy to me because you make your dreams. You are the one that is wholly responsible for that. Like, yeah. you can go to all the workshops and all of these things in the world. Like, even good ones. Mm-hmm. 
But at the end of the day, nothing is going to change unless you do that and you make the changes. Yeah, absolutely. Which is whole, so, so, so possible by yourself. It's possible by yourself. And also if you, cause I, yeah, I totally remember standing there after, after the fucking grope tunnel where I was like, <laughs> just um, not happy with that. Yeah. I was still like, well, fuck, maybe this is what I need. Maybe this is the kind of thing that I need to do to fulfill my dreams and da, 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 da. And I remember yeah. us being like, fuck, should we do this? I don't know. Mm. And then the other girl volunteer came up to us. Oh, the one that the leader was definitely having sex with. Yes, the one that they were 100%. <laughs> Despite him going on about his happy marriage. Yeah, they were fully fucking. Fully flirting in front of everyone. Do you remember the watermelon? I remember. She strutted through the middle of the oh. room with a slice of watermelon in her hand. And was staring her, at him. Staring at him, dead in the eye, flicked her hair over her shoulder to look at the whole room to see if and everyone was watching. <laughs> it was, I felt... <laughs> I felt violated just by watching it. Um, and then she yeah. comes up to us and she's, she's like, like, oh, yeah, so, like, I've done this and I've done that. And I was busking in a car park the other day and Kylie Minogue's manager came up to me and told me I'll be a star. And I was just like, shut the hell up, man. So she, like, yeah, so part of their role is obviously to go, because they were, it was at the point where they were like, come talk to us in the back if, you interest, if you're interested in program, and if not, like, think about why you're letting yourself down. Like, yeah. it was so shame-based, and yeah. we were both just, like, standing there like, oh, fuck. And then part of their role as these volunteers is to go kind of get everyone and, you know, talk to them and try to hard sell. Mm. And she's like, so why are you guys not doing it? And I was like, oh, well, you know, like, kind of just dancing around it. And then I was like, oh, she, if I can just get her to start talking about herself, she'll yeah. totally leave us alone. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, how long have you been a student here? And just started asking her questions about, and that's why she started talking about like, yeah, basically yeah. she's going to be the next Kylie Minogue and yeah. how rich she is now after she's mm. been doing this and how amazing he is and da, 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 da. And I tried to bring up the love tunnel thing and I tried to be like, yeah, you know, I just found it really uncomfortable she's like mm, well do you know why that is and I was like oh no why she was because you can't accept love oh my god I completely forgot about that I just remember fucking bitch well I was just like mm, yeah that's not it but okay <laughs> like <laughs> she had the audacity the to tell you I think she was I think 22? she was 22 yeah, and like as almost thirty year olds, we're just like, bitch. Well, and also, oh, fuck. You down. don't actually know anything about me. Yeah. Um, but you, your presentation of this exercise, and you've been told that if someone has a problem with this, that it means this, mm. um, which very well may be true. But also, you don't know me, mm. and you making that kind of generalization just goes to show me that this program is ineffective. If someone has come yeah. through a personal development program and that's the way that they speak to someone that they don't know about something that could potentially be a very personal mm. or, you know, somewhat traumatic experience or something troubling. Like if that's the way that you're going to talk to someone, then yeah, you've just proven me right. That this I, is not something that I want to engage in. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to, to statistics and actually, for a personal development um, group, you are looking at people who are most likely have having a really hard time, have had a really hard time, are asking for help. They're at the last straw. You yeah. know that they they're wanting to develop their lives and, and go further. And 
and you know that they're vulnerable we're vulnerable people going to this and i don't think the majority of people and i'm not i'm not um downplaying them being their adult their adults and i'm not downplaying them being adults and knowing themselves and having like taking responsibility but i do think that when you are at that level of vulnerability and you're asking for help and you're at these events like you just think that's the norm it's completely normalized and you're in a position where you're not really like you don't have everything in your life that you want and you're not in complete control because you've come to this event so they're banking on the fact that they can take that that use that to their advantage mm-hmm. and so you know six seven eight nine people out of ten are gonna fucking go for it it's filling something it's it's filling a need yeah and i think that there's nothing wrong with that to a certain extent but i would just hope that people do their research and look at not just Mm. one because not like what you were saying not one teacher or school or program is going to change everything about your life you have to do that and making sure I think that you align yourself with people and models and systems and structures that you align with that it's not just out of an emotional response and Mm. that's really hard to do when you're in that kind of environment where it's building up all this really intense emotion and connectivity yeah um yeah it kind of reminds me of the god i'm never gonna be able to say it rashnapuri do you remember that uh that documentary we watched in mafra oh yeah the um it's rajneesh rajneesh pura yep the rajneeshi yeah right Yeah, yeah 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 um that was super interesting yeah the wild wild country documentary on netflix <laughs> So fucking good. Wild Wild Country, that was it. Mm-hmm. I would recommend anyone listening to watch that. Yeah. It's quite a long series. Yeah. But the way they film it is really good because, I don't know, like, you're listening to oh. the main protagonist in this, the woman who has kind of, like, she's the the, the, the brains behind pretty much she's all of it. fucking awesome. I mean, she's not. She's, she also is. <laughs> oh, see, this is oh. the thing. <laughs> I just love what you said, tough titties. It really made me laugh. Oh, yeah. Okay, but look, funny. I but... like the way that they structured that documentary because the first, like, three episodes, you're like, I'm on the side of the cult. Like, yeah. I, I would sign it's me like, up. Happy, happy commune. They're just trying to, there's a lot of, like, really smart, educated people that are mm. just trying to build this utopia. And I can't yeah. tell you how many times me and my girlfriends have said, like, we're going to just get a commune somewhere and live off the grid together and just, like, fuck the world. But oh, I fully researched them in Australia and was like totally planning to go. Because I, I am all for like... Did I tell you about a friend of a friend who went to one of those and got their organ stolen? What the fuck? No. Okay. Oh my God, stop. No, you're so, lying. No, I'm not. <gasps> um, yeah. Oh my okay. God, I'm ready. Tell me. So <laughs> when I was in Bali um, and I was still hanging out with my friends, Megan Ian, that were living there... And I was telling them about my plans to move here. Um, They were immediately like, just be careful. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, we have a friend who he was in his, you know, early 20s. And he came over here to live in one of these sustainable communities that's like totally off the grid in the outback somewhere. And you, you know, farm and work off the land. And um, basically they were like kidnapping people and selling their organs on like the black market and somehow he got 
like a letter out in a book to his dad because he didn't have a phone and his dad had to contact like the federal agency of Australia like to come get him or something like that like I haven't looked into it really but this is the story that I was told of like this poor poor guy and it was all meant there was no women there so he like oh it just sounded I mean he was so lucky that he got out but like well did they take his kidney or something I think so. Or, I don't know one? if they took his or they took someone else's and he was like about to be or something oh like that where it was like God. he knew for sure that people were being kidnapped and sedated and their organs were being oh, taken. God, that is so terrifying. Isn't that scary? But, but again, going back to the way that like communes and stuff are often hard with the same brush in media, in television, and... Yeah, that's a theme of the sinner that we're watching right now. Look, I'm not saying... Like, there are obviously evil, evil places that are disguising themselves as communes, but it does kind of annoy me how... Yeah, they're just all tarred with the same brush, because I am so confident that there are communities on this earth that are, like, really fucking good, normal people... Who just want an easy life and yeah. to enjoy nature. Communal and living. Communal living, like raising a family like with good standards and treating people with respect and eating good food and treating everything with respect and like doing the best they possibly can and living in peace. And look, I'm not saying there aren't gonna be fights, like that's totally normal that's and like disagreements, human, that's yeah. part of being a human. But it's like these these cults just magnify the worst like evils like well, stealing, the... or, stealing organs and sexual harassment and yeah and sexual abuse and like phys- like mental abuse and all of this awful stuff that goes on but it's like when are we ever shown the good ones that's yeah what i was just gonna say is we're we only ever see and hear about the ne- negative experiences and the negative things because that's what's you know interesting and newsworthy yeah. and scintillating. Yeah. The but then there's also the argument of do you think it's possible for humans to live together and not have violence or trespasses against each other, or is it a part of human behavior? I think it's part of a hu- I think it's part of human behavior, but there is a way of like raising awareness and teaching people like about it and shining a spotlight on it and saying like, okay, this is normal. Like it, like, you know, the whole shadow work and whatever. Yeah. Like I don't agree with this cult in the, in the sinner that we're talking, that we're talking about. But I think there is a way of educating us to kind yeah. of be like, it's okay if you're feeling these emotions, it's okay if you feel angry, but like, recognize that and then put things in place to help you deal with it and that doesn't mean not releasing anger yeah you know there are ways like you can fucking throw stones into a lake you can go into like a uh, these like smash rooms like i, I really want to do, do a that. smash room <laughs> i want to go into a room filled with china with a baseball bat who doesn't like <laughs> go I full get, beyonce on it like i think it's a release and it's good to get the anger out and physically emotionally like but not to do it to harm other people. Yeah. And that's the difference between like our, our like general society is like fights and being violent and this abuse that goes on at home and everything like this. Whereas if you're in a community where you're just trying your best to shine the light on that and say there are ways around it and like to highlight therapy 
mm-hmm. 100% like why yeah. wouldn't we do that I my uneducated opinion is that I agree that like it's just part of human behavior but I also totally agree that I think a big reason why there's so much systemic you know and long-standing violence and mistreatment of people is because we're not allowed to really talk about the negative emotions that we all or experiences yeah. that we all feel and have and appropriately give them attention mm, yeah I think it just festers and breeds it festers more and, more and then it is manifested in violent behavior and it's generational and, too so it's yeah. like it's not just it's not an it isn't an isn't an individual problem because it's your individual responsibility to figure out how to just fucking live this life mm. and like do it in a way that you're minimizing your impact and hurt of other people. But it's yeah. also because it's been like this for ages and ages and ages that yeah. it's it's also a bigger issue and it can't yeah. just be fixed on an individual level. Wow. What? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Love a DMC. Uh. Love a DMC. So we talked about cults. <laughs> Proud to say, still not one of one. It's very yeah. exciting. Um, TV and food. Honestly, f- I think food has been our saving grace. Like we're both lucky enough to have found each other because we are both foodies. (laughs) Yeah. I think a very integral part of any like close relationship that I have is like, you have to be on the same food page. Tragically heterosexual. Tragically heterosexual. (laughs) But even like romantically, like you have to have the same, I don't know. I think being on the same food page is so important because if you're like, fuck, I'm really hungry and this sounds really good. And the other person that you're with is like the kind of person that only eats for sustenance and doesn't really care about food and it's not really a thing for them. Like we're never going to get along. We're going to disagree on how we spend our time and our money. (laughs) And that's not, it's not going to flourish. I might like you and, you know, be chill, but like, we're never going to be tight because, uh, sorry, like, Food is bonding. I, th- I definitely think it's been like a, a golden thread in our friendship. The fact that because we live together, we also it's so much cheaper to like buy food together, especially if you're eating the same thing. Yeah. Two things. I think one, it was really cool because we were making fajitas the other day and I put this like fake chicken in. And I don't know. Because Susie's had... vegetarian and I'm not. But yeah, I just had a moment because... I don't know what, I can't remember what it was you said, but I was just talking about like... I was asking you how you wanted to cook it. Yeah, you asked me how I wanted to cook it. And I just had this moment of appreciation and realization <laughs> like, that's so fucking cool that you're like willing to do that for, like not for me, but with me. Because yeah. that I have found it hard in the past. Like I am often like the only vegetarian and people... I love sharing food and I love cooking together and I think like it's such an important part of life and it's enjoyable so for me to be surrounded by people that never want to try the fake meats or like uh, like kind of like put vegetarianism down or not not necessarily always put it down but just like aren't interested in it Mm -hmm. but the fact that you eat meat and you're willing to like like, you don't eat a lot of meat anyways. I really don't. You really don't. But the fact that even you're willing and, like, want to try it with me was just such a nice moment. I was Aww. like, it's so cool that we get to share this. Oh. But then the, the second part is that 
going back to what you were saying about like it's an integral part of a relationship it's so funny because jack is like he's a very much a sustenance kind of person he's, i feel like he appreciates good food though he no, he appreciates good food but he's not like that interested in it mm. like he sees food as fuel like he looks at the macros like okay what? but he also it was his idea to get mcdonald's the other weekend oh yeah no, no i'm not saying that he <laughs> i'm not saying that he doesn't like eat bad food or anything because he does but he's just not that interested in it Mm. like it doesn't it doesn't really like spark him it doesn't like he's yeah which is fine like it's totally cool and I think that's cool that we can coexist like in our relationship and like but we don't I mean we don't live together so we don't often cook together or, or anything however when I was at his one time he made this stir fry really nice moment because <laughs> he put I'm like obsessed with making perfect rice and it's Delia Smith so my mum does it and she taught me and I just passed it on I think to you I think I taught you how to do this rice technique with the oil yeah so like you put the rice in you put a bit of oil in to coat the rice and then it's always it's it's one part rice two part water yeah that's right? always the same okay so I'm round jacks and I'm like looking at this pan of just boiling water I'm like What's that for? Is that for the rice? He was boiling it like pasta. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a pan oh. of boiling water. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I don't really know how to make it, but it always ends up soggy. And like, uh, oh, <laughs> he said, oh, I, I saw you guys make it at your house once and I couldn't understand how you didn't have the water left over. And I was like, Wait, what? It, how oh my are God, you is he me- straining I was it? Like, how are you measuring out this rice? He's like, I don't know. I just put the water in and then just like estimate the rice. I was okay. like, no. There is, there are directions. There are directions on yeah. every bag or yeah. box of rice, or you could Google it. Yeah, but That's so but funny. It, it was just so sweet because we had, I had this moment of like, Let me I was like, you. can I teach you? And obviously. I don't expect him to say yeah, but he was like, yeah, okay. And I was like teaching him how to make rice. And then he made the stir fry. It was fucking banging. Mm. And it didn't have any meat in it. Oh, nice. So I could try it, which was really nice. Because I'm never going to say, I'm never, ever going to say to anyone, you are not allowed to eat this or like you have no, to. of course. It. But like, obviously if he's having meat, I'm not going to try it. But it was just really nice because we just got to try the food and, and he gave me some for my lunch the next day. And it was just that's really, so cute. <laughs> it was actually really good. So I think that's something that we can definitely build upon and like share things and share, like learn what recipes work for both of us. Like. I don't know. I think maybe with Jack or maybe just, I don't know, in general, eh, hypothesis is that how much of it is like he's not interested or he just doesn't know so maybe yeah, like maybe. getting to cook and pushing your comfort zone because he probably wasn't cooking for himself that much back home I don't know I think he was because his I think his parents like worked quite long hours and stuff mm. so he would cook for like him and his brother and sister oh, okay um so but but I know you get stuck in kind of like you know yeah you know what you know and it gets yeah. really easy I mean we even we do get that stuck of in like ruts all the we time. have like five yeah. meals that we rotate between but yeah 
it takes a lot to like be curious and like push outside of that. So maybe that'll be a fun thing of yeah. like getting to learn and how to make and enjoy different stuff and well, do it yourself. Yeah. And also I kind of think like, I don't need it with him because like I have that with you. Are <laughs> <laughs> we too cute or what? Oh my God. <laughs> That's true. I just so all of my needs are fulfilled. <laughs> And the rest <laughs> is for my vibrator. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> On that note. Oh, gosh. Yeah, have we come to the end of the episode? I'm so sad. Oh, I know. Okay, well, it's been fun. We're going to love you and leave you. Love you and leave you, peeps. Um, uh, check out our Instagram. Check out the gram. Send us an email. Let us know what you're up to <laughs> please um if you want us to talk about anything i would love oh. to hear other people's travel stories oh my freaking hell i was just about to say i think we should get other people's stories in and read them out loud like, i would funny love stories, funny to travel hear stories. like this one time blah, 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 <laughs> like then, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> please send us your band camp stories um yeah i would love to hear people's travel stories so if you have mm. one and you want to talk about it and all of your friends are sick of hearing it send it to us we yeah. would love to hear it we're we're not really backpackers at gmail.com and we're not really backpackers on the gram and mm. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We love you. Make good choices and be kind to one another. Safe travels, everybody. Bye. Bye. I think the yeah. first weird thing was um, the guy leading. <clears throat> okay. The first red flag for me was when we first walked in the door and we're signing in. That one volunteer. Oh. What the fuck? We're trying to record a podcast here. Stupid fucking roommates answer the door. Stupid, I fucking hate him. God, of course it's him. Of course it was his. He's such a lazy fucking. I fucking hate him. <laughs> Shark-eyed motherfucker. <laughs> Don't like it. <sighs> so yes, this first red flag.